0: Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. Hey, uh, today is Super Bowl Sunday and some things that I thought about as I was going into this is I don't want to make it about Super Bowl Sunday or come up with some fun way to bring the Bible into it, Uh, but I just just want you to think about this, that 1.83 billion wings are going to be eaten today. If they were seconds, that would be 44 years, that 11 million pounds of chips will be consumed, that 12 million pounds of guacamole will be imbibed. And that $10.8 billion will be spent on over 50 million cases of beer. And I this year started a uh, fantasy football team. And I spent way more time on the NFL than uh, I should have this year. And I think to myself going, then what do we build ourselves around? There are some people now that it used to just be in seasons that you could just go, I'm going to follow NFL and then NBA and then MLB, and and now it seems like it's all year long. Who's getting traded to what? Who's doing what? And actually involving our lives around it. We can give you stats. We can tell you who the next up-and-coming quarterback is, who the running back of the next year is going to be, and the breakout stars. And it almost began to be a little sad for me that, man, look at this day of the year. This is the second most food eaten in America next to Thanksgiving. What do we build our lives around And so, of course, I started thinking um, about what we're going to talk about this morning. And uh, my wife and I uh, were driving from Harleton into Billings to do some uh, some doctoring there this week. And I saw this really cool arch, just this stone arch. It's in Levina, and they just these big sandstone rocks, and they're just building these, and it and it comes up to this point. And then I thought to myself, that one stone in the middle is the most important stone of them all. Like, you could have as big of archway as you want, but the one that's in the middle is the most important. And so then I thought, well, there's got to be a sermon in that. Like, it was cool. Like, this thing was cool, I'm telling you. And as I was just thinking about it going, man, if we all seem to build our lives around... Well, I'm not saying that all of us build our lives around the NFL and Super Bowl, but we certainly have a society that might. And I began to just go, there's a reason why God is the cornerstone. But then I had to start looking at, well, wait a second. A cornerstone is different than the archway stone. And so I went into a little bit of just nerding out a little bit. And in construction, there's basically three main stones. There's the capstone right? That is the stone that just kind of goes over everything and makes everything look beautiful, right? If you were to go to my house, I have a little bit of pavers and then on the top there's just this capstone with this little lip. It just makes everything look good. And then there's the uh, keystone, right? And the keystone is exactly what I was just talking about the archway. It is that one rock that has to be there, right? That it has to be a perfect shape for the rest of the stones to fall up. And it looks different. It's not just a regular stone, okay? It has to look kind of angle, more triangular than anything to be able to hold everything. And then there is this thing called the cornerstone. And I really dove into this one because in ancient times, they didn't have surveying tools, They didn't have an ability just to look at something and go, okay, we know exactly where northeast, southwest is, and all that sort of stuff. And so they would just simply put a stone somewhere and go, that is what we're building off of. Whatever way it's facing, everything else is going to center itself and orient itself to this cornerstone right here. Even got to be so important that what they used to do with this stone is that they would used to sacrifice on this stone and say, this stone starts out everything for us. We are sacrificing on this stone so that, man, we realize the importance of what's going on in our building project. Today, a cornerstone looks a little bit more like this little plaque that we have out in the front of our, of our building where it says something, where it says established or, hey, this is, uh, we are dedicating this building to this thing. And then there's Peter who comes and says, Jesus is the cornerstone. What does that have to really do with anything? And as I was beginning to think about this, what if... <laughs> What if if we took this a little bit more seriously? That we orient ourselves completely on this one stone. That Jesus was this cornerstone and he was sacrificed. That in fact, actually, if we don't build off of that cornerstone, we're just a stone. We have no purpose. We're just out there. Really not doing anything. I kind of pictured this. I kind of pictured this uh, when you go set up your tent, right? And uh, you're going camping and you think you got everything cleared out and there's that one stone that's just out there or that stupid stick that you didn't pick up that as soon as you lay down, it's there and it's annoying and it's good for nothing except for bothering you, except for not being what it's supposed to be doing. There are some days where I probably feel like that stick. Or that stone that's not in line with everything else. Not oriented to the right things. I may think I am. I may walk around and go, yep, I'm a part of this thing that's going on. I might be inside the building, but I'm not part of the building. If we're going to go into alliteration a little bit on cornerstones, which Peter is bringing us to. So this morning, I want to dive into the meaning of this. I want to dive into some of the theological implications for us today as looking at Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. So would you pray with me? God, I get easily distracted by chips and guacamole and wings. And I don't desire the foundation in which you are calling me to build my life upon there are days where the drift is, is real, and I don't align myself back up to you, and I become just the annoying stone. And So God, would you today give us purpose? Would you give us orientation? Would you give us knowledge and wisdom and understanding? And would we desire it more and more, and would we seek you always? us to love you better. In your name we pray, amen. So this morning, let's just start right on into it. Verse 1 through verse 2, or actually verse 3 in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. And this is what it says. Therefore, rid yourself of all... Ooh, what version is that? Because I want to read the right version. I'm going to do that one. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. This is the very first thing that we need to realize when it comes to Jesus Christ being the cornerstone. It's not us coming up with our own ideas of what we think should be or what's supposed to be. But no, going, we need to crave and desire the pure spiritual milk. Do we crave it? This is this is the word of God, and is it is it the point where we go, we can't live without it? Or is it a supplemental vitamin that we just take every once in a while when we don't feel like we're okay? Do you cry out to God and ask him? Do we cry out to God and ask him, man, I need your help? Because I think this is what happens is sometimes we've been Christians for so long and we sit there and we go, man, I, I know this already. I know all the stuff I need to know. Or we forget that the, the, God, the word of God is living and active and constantly giving nourishment. There are some of us who are brand new and maybe don't quite understand it, and so we read verses that go, that works great for me, so I'm going to hold on to that one and forget to look at the other things. Man, it's, it's saying like a newborn baby, just, just desire it. There is no newborn baby that when it's hungry that you put a bottle to its mouth that goes, nah, I'm good. Thanks, thanks for trying to feed me. They already know how to latch on. They already, well, maybe you need to teach some of them, but... They already know that, man, I need this. I want this. I desire this. You see this laying aside of all of these behaviors in the front end that he talks about, about malice and hypocrisy and evil speech and envy go away when we desire with honest hearts and humbly his word. Because then it brings us to a point of going, we want what you want for us not what we want for ourselves. And so, here it is. When we are in this process of going, Jesus Christ is our cornerstone, we need to desire him as our cornerstone, not just simply go, there it is. So I wanna move into, why is Jesus our cornerstone? And the first one, if you're taking notes with me, uh, is this, is that he is the living stone. He is the living stone. Verses 4 and 5 say this. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests through the meditation of Jesus Christ sorry, through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you are offering spiritual sacrifices that please God. This is absolutely uh, phenomenal. Not only is Jesus chosen that he was the cornerstone from, and I would even say this, from the beginning of creation, that God set Jesus up to be the stone in which everything was built off of. And so when it says that Jesus is chosen, it wasn't one of those things that God was all of a sudden looking and going, okay, now you become. No, he created this. He he had Jesus be chosen to do this for us, to be the cornerstone for us. And so as much as God chose Israel, he also chose the church to be that. As Israel had Priesthoods, we Christians are also holy priesthoods. And as much as Israel had sacrifices, that means we become the sacrifice. And we cannot do any of those things unless Jesus was the living stone. We can't be chosen, we can't give God honor. We can't be holy priesthoods. We can't be sacrifices because we are not building our lives off of the cornerstone, the living stone that is, that is there and placed for us. Picture that. A lot of us would love to say we are our own stone, right? That God has chosen us. And no, we have to be built off of the cornerstone. I just get this picture, Right? that there are completely two walls that come off of one stone. There's two walls. And and if you wanted to kind of picture this a little bit more into more of a theology, theology realm, is the Jews and the Gentiles, all connected by Jesus Christ... The two walls being built up strong through the living stone of Jesus is connecting us together and saying, no, you might have thought you were. it was this way, Jews, because you had this idea of what it was supposed to be. And you Gentiles who are now coming on, you have to remember that this is how things are going, that Jesus Christ is the center of it all. It's not something new. God has been here. And has been working, and so as we are connected to the living stone of God, we can then transition to be God's temple, chosen, priesthood, and that we create spiritual sacrifices. And so on the one side, Israel, you don't have to do it anymore. We're connected by God. You don't have to have a holy priest. We've created you to be a holy priest. Gentiles, you need to be... A priesthood. You need to now follow what God is asking you to do. You're no longer just out there. You're no longer just stumbling around trying to figure things out. He is the living stone that connects us together. And number two, he is what we can build our lives upon. He is what we can build our lives upon. Verses 6 through 8 say this. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust in him recognize the honor God has given him, but for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. It is pretty clear that he is bringing us to this point of going, this is the cornerstone that God always wanted. There's this uh, story, King Nebuchadnezzar takes over and he has this huge dream. And the dream is of a giant statue. And it's got layers, right? The bronze and gold and silver and clay and, and all of these things. And, he's, and one day it just crumbles, because a stone is coming, and it's hurled at it, and uh, they can't figure out uh, what the dream means. And So Daniel comes and goes, "I can figure out this dream for you." And he says, "There will one day be a stone that is carved out that will completely ruin. All kingdoms, and this one will be for an ever stone. You see, the idea of that dream was you can build whatever you want. You can build the biggest statue. You can build however you want to do, but it will be nothing because it will come to ruin because of this cornerstone, because of Jesus Christ and the honor that has been presented to him that will never fade. You just sang a song about Jesus loving you, and it's eternal And it's always for you. And whatever other kingdom is trying to get set up, it will eventually get smashed. And so would you rather build your own building or would you build upon Jesus? The stone that has already come and crashed everything and gone, here it is. We have to desire God's word. We have to realize that he is, is the stone we want to build our lives off of because it's just hurt afterwards. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall or fail, if you if you can, can't read like me, fall. I, uh, I learned something as we were building this church a little bit, um, I asked, uh, uh, a guy, as we were doing things, I'm like, man, it, it seems like it has to be perfect. And he goes, well, yes and no. I mean, you can cover up a lot of things, but if you're off, if, let's say a quarter of an inch doesn't seem like a lot to me, right? Like, eh, a quarter inch, not a big deal. It's good enough for who it's for, right? But a quarter of an inch, 100 feet away, five inches. Can you imagine a building that isn't built correctly off the cornerstone? That's off of plumb line. Can you imagine the cracks that happen because of it? Could you imagine the people who sit there and go, no, I'm okay. I can do it the way that I want to. And then years down the road, they wonder, why is my life this way? What's going on? God has given honor to Jesus as our cornerstone. It's chosen for great honor, it says. And anyone who trusts in him will There are some people today, actually, (laughs) almost $15 million just in one casino alone will be bet on the Super Bowl. There are some people today that will put all of their hope in this game to change their life instead of focusing maybe on something else. But a lot of people might look at us and go, well, you're wasting your time. You're building your life on something that shouldn't be built on. What are you doing? You won't be disgraced, it says. You won't be disgraced. This next part is probably one of my favorite verses. And and here it is in number three is, He called us out of darkness into marvelous light. Why is Jesus our cornerstone? Because once he is our cornerstone, he calls us out of darkness into marvelous light. If it wasn't set up, he doesn't have the ability to do that. Verses nine, verse nine, sorry. But you are not like the people who disobey God's word. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession, and as a result you can show others goodness of god for he called others the goodness of god for he called you out of darkness into wonderful light i put marvelous because i like that word he called us out of darkness into marvelous light only he can do that only the living stone can do that because his kingdom is forever and he invites us into it Because of who he is and his death on the cross, he is absolutely precious and he has the authority to say, come into the light. We want to orient ourselves to that. We we don't want to be defined by our sin. We're not looking at, well, my sin is this way. I've got to get rid of this first before I can do that. Or, hey, what about this? You can't love me for this. No, he's just calling you into marvelous light. Focus on him. And as you do that, you understand this next verse, which is he offers us mercy in verse 10. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. He offers us mercy. You've received it as his people. So when we look at Jesus Christ as the cornerstone, we know that we have new life principles. We're a chosen generation to do things differently. We have new access to God. We are a royal priesthood. We have a new government. We are a holy nation because it's Jesus' kingdom. And we have a new owner. Jesus came and destroyed everything. We are His own special people. And when I look at the cornerstone a little bit more deeply, I hope that I can come to the point of just realizing that. I want my life to be orientated to him. I don't want to be aimless. it says in the bottom of everything, what happens when we reject the cornerstone? It means that when people look at us, we are crooked. We're wrong. When we reject the cornerstone, we have no orientation. We're purposeless. I mean, think of all the words that you can keep coming up with that have no direction. We're kind of like that one board that's so crooked that you don't want to use it. It's worth cutting it up and only maybe using the six inches. What happens when we reject the cornerstone is it has eternal ramifications. It means that if we reject the cornerstone, we are eternally without God. So we want to desire, like babes desire the milk, to read God's word. And we want to desire that our lives are pointed towards this cornerstone, not distracted not adding something else. I'm telling you, I spent way too much time this year on my, what thank you, fantasy football, good job. I did. I I, want to get to the point where, man, all of us are just going, this is what I read in the Bible. Can you believe that this is challenging me to live this way and that way? And I know that today we're going to have a Super Bowl party. But when you come, would you be willing to talk to people and share life with them and become relational with them and say, hey, what's God teaching you? You can take that off. And so when you're walking around maybe watching cool throws and (laughs) amazing catches, would you remember that maybe it's, would you remember that it's just a game and the people around you are what really matters? Would you pray for one another more than you ever have? Would you spend time seeing what really does matter in your life? And be honest with it. And this morning we get to do something uh, different than we've ever done on a Super Bowl Sunday. Maybe, maybe we have last year, I don't know. But we're gonna take communion today. And we're gonna play a song this morning called Cornerstone. And as we walk through this together, and I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward and they're going to hand out the bread and the juice. And as you're listening to this song, I want you to think about what you've built your life around. Have you built your life around what other people are going to think about you and how um, they may think, wait a second, you're not doing what's correct. But are you attached to the cornerstone? And as they pass out this stuff, would you look into your own heart and go, where am I not following God? Where does God need to reorientate me? Yeah, you guys can pass that out. Where do I need to have a new perspective? Where do I need to be brought back in line? So let's listen to this song. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I forgot something. Um, if you are a parent and you have a kid who is not in here yet, um, you're more than welcome to go grab them and take communion. Um, it's that important to me. Uh, we, we have kids that have accepted Jesus Christ, and communion is something that is hugely important to us. And so if you have a, a kid who's not in here with you, uh, we'll wait. So if you want to jump up and go do that, that's fine with me. Um, it says in the scriptures that if we... <laughs> don't take this in seriously. And if I, if I miss some kids or something like that, I, I think that I'm not taking it as seriously as I want it to be. You see, Scripture says, For uh, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said this. He said, This is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with His blood, with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And it goes on to say, So if anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if you, add, if you would examine yourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet we are What yet? when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. They're just all coming in right now, so we're okay. All right. I had this going different in my head, I'm sorry. So Jesus took the bread and he broke it into pieces and he said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your body broken for us, that you would be a sacrifice and that you would willingly go to the cross for us so that we could be chosen by you, that we could be a royal priesthood, that we are a new nation because of you. And we are built on you. We thank you. And then he took the cup and he said this that this is the cup is the new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance as often as you drink it. Dear heavenly Father God, I thank you for your blood spilt for us that your blood is a covering for our sin. That, God, we are washed clean because of you. And that, God, we have, we have power because death could not hold you. And that you give us your Holy Spirit and you walk with us in newness of life. And, Lord, as we have taken and eaten this communion, would we realize the preciousness of, of us to you? That we would realize, like what Brian read that we would understand the, the depth and the width of your love. God, help us to continue to glorify you in days and weeks. And would we desire your word? Would we live your kingdom? In
1: your name we pray, amen. A thought came to my mind as we were doing communion, of the first time I did communion as a pastor in Great Falls, Montana. Um, I want to inform you that there's no classes about that. <laughs> I don't. Uh, my my boss in Great Falls wasn't the greatest at giving instructions either, and so um, you know, I just I just had the Bible to rely on, on on how to do communion and what we had done in the past, and just kind of went off to tradition and and what the Bible said. And I want to encourage you that that just because we chose um, here at GEC to do communion once every other month on the first Sunday of the month, the Bible invites us to do it as often as we can. And so communion is not solely by the power of Seth and I that you get to do communion. It is as often as you can celebrating what Christ did which then ties into the cornerstone that, that what often we, we, we think of when orientating our life towards Jesus is we're going to go in this direction and, and Jesus is in front of us. Um, but really with the cornerstone, they, they have the stone at the corner and they build off of it. Every decision comes from there. Can you imagine if they put the cornerstone down and they're like, all right, we're going to go to this corner over here and build everything and hope that we end up in the right place. And I think a lot of times that's what we do in our lives is, is we just hope that God's going to bless our decisions in the end. But the point of Christ being the cornerstone is that so we can remember his sacrifice for our sin and we can make the decisions in our life building from that. Let's pray. Lord, today, just as every day, there's only one true thing to celebrate. And Lord, for those of us that have chosen to acknowledge you as Lord in our life, we get to celebrate your grace, your forgiveness, your love, and your joy. And so Lord, may we celebrate you today. May the decisions we make be built off of you. And Lord, may you encourage us to continue to glorify you in all that we do. And may we grow closer to you and closer to each other. In your holy name we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.